0: You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. Well, hey, guys, what's going on? Hope that you are having a fantastic day. We are in part two of our series, simply entitled Exodus. And what we are doing is we're walking through the moment that the nation of Israel leaves Egypt. And we're going to talk uh, over the next several weeks about some different instances that happen while they're wandering in said wilderness. So, Last week, we talked about the fact that God goes before us, that he isn't just watching, that he's working on our behalf. If you did not catch that podcast, go ahead and check that one out. And uh, this week, we're going to pick up just a short time later in Exodus chapter 16. So what we talked about last week was the the nation of Israel leaving Egypt, Pharaoh pursuing them, the Red Sea splitting, Israelites walking across dry ground. And now we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16, starting in verses two and three it says this in the desert the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron the Israelites said to them if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death this is just a carryover posture that the Israelites cannot seem to get rid of through all of scripture freedom doesn't seem to be enough for them but that can kind of sound familiar, right? It's important to see ourselves and the tendencies that we see in the Israelites. How often do I grumble and complain? Even when things are good, that they, aren't, they aren't great. And maybe you identify with that too. The first question I wanna ask this week is, where is our focus? Where is our focus? Are we people who focus on the eternal freedom that we have been offered, or are we people who focus on the temporary discomforts of our current circumstance? See, here's the problem. Too often... I focus on what isn't instead of what is and maybe you do too. It seems like the brokenness in our humanity causes us to hone in on the negative aspects of our lives, right? Like our humanity would we just focus on on what isn't instead of what is. Or if if you want to flip it and you want to say like we only focus on what is negative and what isn't bad you can say it that way too but our human tendencies are to focus on the negative not on the positive i think we need to be people who are not just countercultural but people who are counternatural in our response maybe our natural response is to focus on the bad but what if we intention- intentionally focused on the positive how would that change our lives how much better would our lives be if we became people who focused on the positive and how would it impact the lives of the people around us how would we impact people if we were positive not negative here's the balance we know that we just can't live in the future we realistically have to deal with the present there's no question about that but what if we instead of focusing on the negative instead of just trying to focus on the positive we used eternity as our lens let me give you an example what if we said this this situation is rough. This is a situation that I wish that I was not in right now, but in light of eternity, I know that I will get through this. I know that even if this situation takes years to work itself out, I know that I get to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. What if we use eternity at the lens or on the flip side that we would say, Hey, this situation is great. This situation is good. But in light of eternity, I know that this isn't the finish line. There are too many people in my life that I know that don't understand the love and acceptance and salvation of Jesus. So in light of eternity, I'm going to focus on making kingdom, making the kingdom, making Jesus's kingdom crowded. What if we use eternity as our lens? You see, when we use eternity as our lens, that we see all things through, all things will change. Where is our focus? The story goes on to say in verses four through six, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Apparently the splitting of the Red Sea wasn't enough and apparently the plagues in Egypt weren't enough. Like, this is it, bread. I mean, we can all say, like, amen to that. But, like, Jesus or God raining bread down from heaven, that is how you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. First of all, like, wouldn't it be completely acceptable for God to just wipe out the nation of Israel and just be like, I'm choosing a different people. Like, these people just whine and complain all the time. But that's why God is God and I am not, because I don't have the patience that he does. But instead... God's response is to care for them. God's response is grace. God's response is love. But at the same time, he he presents this test for them to see if they'll follow instruction. And I think that it's still a test that is applicable for us today. And this is the question that I would ask. What is our measurement of enough? What is our measurement of enough? We have to understand that our view of enough and God's view of enough might not be the same. I think it presents itself in different ways. I think one of the ways it could present itself is this. Sometimes we want more. Sometimes we want more. God's enough isn't enough for us. There have been so many times in my life where God has given, and instead of me saying, thank you, thank you for what you've given me, my response has been, is that it? Is that all you got? Like, I could use more. Like, you gave me a great situation, but I want the situation that I had in my mind. Sometimes God wants more for us, and that's another way that it presents itself. Last week we talked about being comfortable with the acceptable. There are seasons and circumstances where God has more, but we stop asking. When I think of this, I always think about this time. Uh we were at College Age Movement. It was a Tuesday night. It was about five o'clock. It was just two hours before we meet, and I got super sick. I was in the bathroom puking my guts out and I just felt so bad. But but you know how when you eventually puke, you feel better. And so I came out um, feeling a little bit better. Got 5.30, 5.45, almost 6 o'clock. And then people started showing up for our service. And it was too late to pull an audible. It was too late to go to a night of worship. It was too late to ask somebody else to preach. It was too late to, to cancel. We had people there. And I was like, no, this is, this is going to be my Jordan flu game. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight my way through this, and I'm going to preach. Well, about 6.40, right before service is about to start, I go back to the bathroom, and I just puke out so much more. I don't know how there is even anything left in my stomach, but I'm puking. I'm super, super sick. And I come out of the bathroom and, and two of my friends are waiting outside of the doors. And They said, are you all right? And I said, no, I'm not all right. So they asked if they could pray for me. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Please, please pray for me. And, and my first buddy prays and he's like, Lord, we just pray that like you'd let Evan feel better for the next 45 minutes. Like, would you just help him get through this? And I was in complete agreement of that complete and total agreement. I was like, yes, Lord, please just let me get through this. Help me do my job. Help me bring a word, and then like I'll go home and puke some more if I need to puke some more. Sleep, whatever I need to, do, just get me through the next forty five minutes. We all said Amen, and we kind of take that like a little step to like walk towards other people. And then my other buddy stops and goes, No, I, that was a bad prayer. Like that's how you know you're in brotherhood when he looks at somebody and says that was a bad prayer. And I was like, What do you mean it was a bad prayer? Like I'm all for it. And he's like, No, I want to pray for you again. And so I said okay, and so we all started praying again. And he said, Lord, we don't pray for the next forty five minutes, we Lord, we pray for complete healing. We want you to do something supernatural. Don't let Evan just feel okay to get through this, Lord. We pray that you would just bring him healing from here on out. You know what the Lord did? Brought healing from there on out. You see, it's times like that re- that remind me is that we can make small asks or we can make big asks. And and God won't always just do everything that we ask, but why not present a bigger ask from God? Let's let's be people understand that sometimes god has for, more for us so like let's just keep asking and i know that can be counterintuitive because we just talked about the fact that like sometimes we want more and we're like oh is that it but it's a posture it's not like oh the lord didn't show up it's like hey that's awesome lord i'm thankful for what you've given me but i'll take more i'll take more and that more might not be for you that more might be for somebody else the third way that this can present the, itself this this measurement of are enough or god verse god's enough is this is that sometimes god wants more from us how often have we been people who just do enough when God calls us to something? I feel like the words just enough could define some significant seasons of my walk with Jesus. What is God asking you to do? What What if God is asking you to take another step of faith? What if God is asking you to take two more steps of faith? Will we be people? Will I be someone who focuses on my enough or God's enough? It really comes down to this. Like The, the key for every one of us in our lives would be to be people who can confidently sit in the presence, presence of Jesus, in the presence of our creator, and we would, we would say these two things. We would say, Lord, what you deem to be the portion for me is the portion that I'm going to walk with. What you deem to be the portion for me in this season is the, is the portion that I'm going to walk with in this season. And secondly, Lord, what you deem to be the number of steps that I take today are the number of steps, steps that I am willing to take today. You deem my steps, and I'll take them. That we would be people who have a posture that always say, your enough is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for my enough. I'm looking for your enough. The story goes on to say, Exodus chapter 16, verse 7. It says this, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? So Moses and Aaron are, are sitting here and, and they're having a conversation with the people of Israel. And they're, they're saying, who are, who are we that you should grumble against us? This is, this is the next point and the, a question that I want to ask. Who, who are we talking to? Who are we talking to? I don't want to spend a ton of of time on this, but I think there's a really good reminder in this verse that as Moses and Aaron are saying, who are we that you should grumble against us? They aren't saying they're not going to listen or that they don't care. They're not saying that the nation of Israel was, was wrong in talking to them. But what they're saying is that they're talking to the wrong department. They're talking to the wrong department. They needed to talk to the CEO. Like we spend so much of our time complaining to others about our position in life and not enough time actually dialoguing with our savior. Am I saying that we shouldn't talk to each other? Of course not. That is what community is all about. You should have people that you are talking to all the time, but we should be spending as much time talking to Jesus about our situations than we do to any specific person. Listen to me. I'm a pastor. I might be your pastor. What I'm saying is I want to talk to people. I want to be involved in their lives. I want to present advice. I want to pray with them. I want to do so many things to to be a part of people's lives. But what I understand is that my opinion and my advice will never outweigh God's. So don't spend more time talking to me than you do to Jesus. Don't spend more time talking to your friends than you do to Jesus. Don't spend more time talking to your brothers, your sisters, whoever it may be. More than you talk to Jesus. Who are we talking to? Exodus chapter 16, verses 11 through 12, and then verses 19 through 23. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. When I give you meat and bread, that's when you're going to know I'm God. And everybody said... Amen. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be the day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake. And boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. I want to ask two really quick questions out of this passage. First, do we truly trust the provision of God? Do we truly trust the provision of God? There's no step-by-step instructional manual on how to trust God more. There's, there's something that we just all have to work out on our own. It, it's something that, that I wish it was super, super easy. But how you end up trusting God more is by you engaging with God more. But that's going to look different for each and every single one of us. I think it's a great introspective question to ask ourselves on a regular basis. Do I trust that God will make a way? God was looking at the people of Israel and was testing their faith. Did they actually believe that when he said there would be food the next day, that there would be food the next day? God is is testing our faith on a regular basis too. When I say that I'm going to make a way, do you believe that I'm going to make a way? Do we trust the provision of God? If yes, good. If no, why not? How have you perceived that God is unwilling to provide? What has he done to make you think that God's not going to make a way that God's not going to provide? And when you come up with a reason why you believe that God's not going to provide, take it to him. Start that dialogue with Jesus. He wants to have that conversation with you. The second question I want to ask is, are we willing to listen to instruction? I think one of the hardest things for me to do in my own personal life is to follow instructions. People tell me how to do something and I'm like, oh, there's a better way. There's a better way. I, oh, I want to be the fix-it guy. I want to I wanna be the one who finds the faster, more efficient way to do it. You told me to do it this way, but I think that this would be a better option. The problem with that is, one, I come off like a jerk a lot. Two, when it comes to God and his instruction in my life, there is no preference anymore. That, that I don't get to argue with God on how things should be done that his preference always takes the front seat and my preferences always have to take a back seat. When Jesus asked something of me, my prayer is that I become someone who just does it, who's obedient to who God is calling me to be, what God is calling me to be. What's interesting about this story is that for the first time, the word Sabbath is used in the old Testament and we could do an entire series on the Sabbath and the principles behind it. But I just want to focus on this one aspect. And it's, this is that God's instruction to observe the Sabbath was not just for the people of Israel, or excuse me, for the people of Israel to obey. It was actually for the people of Israel. It was for their benefit. Exodus chapter 16, verses 27 through 30. Nevertheless, some of the people went out in the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The Lord has given you the Sabbath the Lord has given you the Sabbath. It is for you. God is not in the business of restricting. He's in the business of restoring. He cares so much about his people that he was giving them an intentional day of rest. And like with every other guardrail that God has set out before us as followers of Jesus, he's always looking out for our good. He wants us desperately to flourish. There's nothing that God has asked us not to do that is better than the thing that we want to do, right? Like you, you, we, we don't get drunk. We don't do drugs. We don't do that. We're called not to do those things. The reason for those things is not because God's the fun police. It's because he knows that that leads to pain and agony and destruction. The things that God is asking us to do are for our benefit. He is not restrictive. He's looking to restore us. He wants us to flourish, and he knows that we need specific things. So are we li- willing to listen to his instruction, and do we truly believe that he will provide all that we need? We'll wrap up with verses 31 through 35. It says this, the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was like coriander seeds and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said This is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law. He put them with the Ten Commandments so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years. For 40 years, God provided in this specific way until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. The last point this week is remember, simply remember, are we willing to be people who memorialize the times when God showed up? I'm not talking about building statues. I'm talking about spiritual memorials that will never come down within us. Am I willing to have stake in the ground moments that I can always come back to? You see, the Israelites put manna in the ark because they wanted to remember that God provided every day for forty years. Maybe we have to put some things in some places. Maybe you got to put some stuff in some jars. Maybe you got to hang some things on some on some walls, whatever it may be. But we have to be intentional about creating places in our heart. We have to be intentional about creating places in our homes where we remember the faithfulness of God because there's going to be times where things feel hopeless and we can always go back to those stake in the ground moments and say no I know God is faithful God is good God shows up sometimes it will feel like all hope is lost but it is in those times that we can turn to the times where he showed up and he brought hope and we can say I can't wait to see him do it again Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.